Hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without payment, give without payment. This is the word of the Lord. One of the most important parts of worship to me is an offertory like the one we just heard a few moments ago. Thank you for the opportunity to meet some of you. I look forward to having the opportunity to meet more of you. When our daughters were young and we lived in Arkansas, there was a poorly produced children's program out of a Tulsa, Oklahoma television station. It was marginally better than Power Rangers or whatever was the program of the day. The name of the program was Hobab. If you don't know, Hobab is a person named in Scripture. The, the program was designed to try to encourage children to be a Hobab, to be a helper. So to this day around our house, we talk about needing a, a hobab. Do you need a hobab? And wanting to be a hobab. Hobab can be found in Numbers 10. You don't need to look it up now. Just trust me on this one. Moses asked hobab to come to be a helper as they set out for the promise, the, the land promised by the Lord. According to Moses in, in Numbers 10, Hobab knows the best places to camp. And he can serve as their guide as they move towards the land that the Lord has promised. And while it's a little unclear whether or not Hobab actually goes with him, other parts of Scripture seem to indicate that he probably did. So when I read this text, 
the gospel text, I thought, Jesus needs some hobabs, doesn't he? It's near harvest time in southwestern Kansas where I grew up. Near harvest time for milo or grain sorghum, whatever you want to call it. Our farmer said that the acres that he had planted for us, he anticipated it would make about 125 bushels per acre. That was until the hail came. And now it's going to be about 80, he says, but still pretty good crop. I remember as a 14-year-old driving a combine or a two-ton dump truck through the fields, driving it alongside the combine while the combine kept moving as it emptied its grain into the back of the truck. When it's harvest time, time is of the essence. In our little town in southwestern Kansas, some would take their vacations during harvest time so that they could drive a truck. When it's harvest time, you've got to get the grain in before the storm ruins it, before something happens to it, because it's a matter of life and death for a farmer. When harvest time arrives, time is of the essence. At harvest time in Kansas, we're always looking for hobabs. There's a lot of work to be done, and Jesus needs help. He looks at the crowd and sees a multitude of hurting people, too many for him to minister to here, and so many not even present. Jesus is the Messiah, but he will not work alone. Isn't it amazing, it is to me, that the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, turns to ordinary people like these twelve like you and me, and gives us work to do. It's a little intimidating, at least it is to me. And this move by Jesus causes lots of problems. There are many who admire Jesus, who think Jesus is the Son of God, and perhaps even want to follow Jesus and learn from Jesus, even become a disciple of Jesus. And things are going fine until they meet the ones he's chosen. You and me. Sometime, uh, several days ago, I read a meme online that said sometimes the best evangelism may be to tell someone you're a Christian and then not act like a jerk. I hadn't been at Viewmont Baptist Church in Hickory long, We were driving out to the mall, and the church I served, we were on TV every Sunday morning live. And we're sitting there, and some woman rear-ends me. Bam. And, you know, my first reaction is to, okay. So I grab the door handle, and my wife, Diane, grabs my other arm, and she says, remember, you're on TV. That was her way of saying, don't be a jerk. And people are disappointed because we say we love Jesus, but we have trouble loving the people that Jesus loves. 
and the world sees it and it turns them away from Jesus. Sometimes Jesus' biggest problem is us. They may believe in Jesus, others may believe, but they have a difficult understanding how Jesus could choose the 12 disciples of today, which is the church of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is so great, they want to know how in the world and why in the world did he pick people like us to do his work. The world is watching. It's a real challenge to see the church, the Lord's 12 disciples of the 21st century as the ones empowered, entrusted, and enlisted to work for the kingdom of God. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's difficult to imagine a more diverse group than this original 12, right? They're remarkable first and foremost by their diversity, a tax collector, a fisherman, a Jewish scribe, a cousin, a writer, a brother, a revolutionary, a skeptic, even a traitor. You know, when we call them St. Peter and St. John, they sound pretty impressive, don't they? They were ordinary people like you and me. But Jesus takes this ragtag bunch of followers from remarkably diverse backgrounds, and this is a diverse church, and transforms them into the very foundation of his church. And he's still doing the same kind of work to those who today say, here I am, Lord, here am I, send me. He's taking ordinary people and transforming them for God's purposes and doing extraordinary things with ordinary people. Jesus is looking for hobabs this morning. And you know what's amazing to me? At least according to Scripture, we don't have any record that it happened otherwise. How many did Jesus ask? Twelve. How many said yes? Twelve. Can you imagine what the nominating committee of McLean Baptist Church how they would respond if they called you and you said, oh, I would love to. I'd, I'll do anything for my church. I'll do the best I can do. I don't know that it's necessarily my gift, but count me in. You as a church have done significant work over the past few years and you've had significant loss. If we enter into this process together, we will build on that. We will build on that, but there is still much to do. The next year, McLean Baptist Church will focus on doing the work that needs to be done to prepare you for a new pastor. McLean needs Hobabs to step up and be a part of the process. Let me ask you this. What if he put a sign over every door, every door that's an entrance to this campus building that read simply, Servant's Entrance? I think that's what Jesus is asking the twelve then and the 12 of us today to do. When you and I show up with open and willing hearts, we've come to get our marching orders. We come to open ourselves to be enlisted, assigned, empowered to do what the Lord wants to do through us and through this body of Christ. How about an example? Thanks for asking.
my first intentional interim, I get a letter in the mail. March 18th, 2011. Dear Dr. Smith, find enclosed a gift of $500 in honor of Ken and Ellen Smith and Rod and Kathy Spence. Their company, Barrister Homes, just completed a nearly year-long renovation addition to our home here in Elizabeth. That's the Elizabeth section of Charlotte, North Carolina. We told them that though many builders could have done an, an impeccable job, one thing sets this family apart, how they follow Christ in their professional lives. Under their Christian leadership, Barrister Holmes always found the, a way to do the right thing, especially in resolving conflicts where this can be difficult. We were taken aback and impressed and influenced by their honor of the Sunday Sabbath when they would not schedule meetings and encourage their employees not to work despite looming deadlines. Ken, Ellen, Rod, and Kathy also openly spoke of St. John's Baptist and their obligations and duties to the church, treating these responsibilities with the same regard as for their paid profession. Ken's deaconship, Ellen's women's retreat leadership, teaching Sunday school, house and grounds duties, etc. We are delighted with the outcome of our project, even more so impressed and pleased with their Christian leadership throughout. How well this reflects upon St. John's Baptist. Wow. Only time in 40 years of ministry I've ever received a letter like that. Every pastor would love to receive several letters a year just like that. That's ministry. That's being a hobab. That's being a Christian and not being a jerk about it. That's what we're called to do. Jesus can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. It's extraordinary in this world. It's unusual to care for the outcast and the marginal. Reference, reference the Ezekiel text that Leah read to us. Those who are supposed to be shepherd aren't feeding the sheep. They lay themselves open to judgment. Why? Because they have not strengthened the weak. They have not healed the sick. They have not bound up the injured. They have not brought back the strayed. They have not gone out to seek the lost, but have been mean and harsh. They have, they have been ruthless instead of caring. And the people are scattered for lack of a shepherd. There's much, this is a much different picture of the kingdom, what Jesus is talking about than that. These disciples are not to go in with a swagger, to order people around. They're not to seek to impress each other with their spiritual superiority, with the fact that I'm chosen and you're not. Not that at all. They're healers, restorers who bring life and hope to others, not superior status to themselves. What the Lord needs from you and me is for us to put ourselves at God's disposal, and it will amaze the world and us what God can and will do through us. The world needs lovers, not judges. There's a judge on every corner. The Lord needs healers, not wounders. Because when you live in the world long enough, all of us get wounded, don't we? It had been a horrible day. 
As bishop of the church, he'd been through a grueling marathon of whining clergy. I'm sure you've never experienced anything like that. And as he drug himself to the door to head for home, his heart sank as he heard his assistant say, you've got one more appointment. Sighing deeply, he invited the two older women, Gladys and Sarah, into his office. We've come to tell you what's going on in our little town, one of them said. And he thought, oh, great. You see, Gladys's grandson had been busted and sent to youth prison. Well, we went over to the youth prison camp to visit him, and sad to say, you know, we'd never been there before. Those young men are packed in there like animals. We got to know, did you know that only 10% of them can read? An illiterate 19-year-old, and we wonder why he's in prison. We began reading classes. Sarah taught school before she retired, and that led to a Bible study group, and now we've got three coming every week. And, and they're two of our friends who can't get out much anymore, but they bake cookies for the boys. Some of the boys say that's the first gift they've received in their lives. He sighed and said, and so you want me to take responsibility for this ministry? No one said we don't want to mess it up. <laughs> well, then you need me to come up with some money to help support it. Oh, no, we don't need any money. If we do, we get it from our little church. Then, then, then why have you come here to tell me this? Well, we know that being bishop must be one of the most depressing jobs in the church. Too many things that we are doing that Jesus expects us not to do. So Gladys here thought it'd be nice if we came down here to tell you to take heart. Something's going right in our town. Jesus says the fields are white and to harvest. He's looking for hobabs. The need is incredible from youth prisons to the ghetto, from the boardroom to the shack. God can do extraordinary people, extraordinary things with ordinary people. Yes, even you and me. Are you willing to be a hobab? Well, pray with me. Lord, it was your idea that we should follow you and be your disciples. You've called us, enlisted us, but Lord, the work you've called us to do is far too great for our meager abilities. There's too much evil, injustice, oppression, sickness, death. Lord, it just overwhelms us and we get tired and lose heart. And sometimes we look at the fields and we don't think they're ready. That's why we come here, Lord, to gather the strength we need to do the work you've called us to do. Give us the gifts we need. Strengthen our weak wills. Give us what we need to be faithful. Please, through Christ we pray. Amen.